From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode. I don't know why I said that differently this time, but here we go. Our weekly mini-sode <laughs> where we dig into the things we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And this week we're talking Disaster Film Two Ways, a nasty found footage movie, a movie about food and farts, Leatherface again, and I don't know what I watched, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Okay, so before we do talk about the movies, though, we got two reviews this last week, Mary Beth. We did! I'm so happy and I'm so excited because someone even made an iTunes account just to review us, which made me so happy. Tony Kaufman, longtime listener and friend of the pod, mm-hmm. created an account just to review us, and we appreciate that so, so much. Yeah, we certainly do. And, and he said that the chemistry between us is delightful. Ooh. And that he could talk, listen to us talk for literally on hours on end. I don't know if you really would like to hear us talk for literally hours on end. I'd probably yeah. get tired of my voice. But <laughs> but that's so nice of you, Tony. And uh, by the way, listeners, he says that his comfort episode is the one with Justin Nordell, which was talking about Tremors. And that's episode 91. Incredible. If you want to go give that one a listen, it is a good episode. 
but he does not have a request necessarily for you to give him a, a found footage movie, Mary Beth, but he does want you to talk about Savage Land because he feels it's underseen and scary, and he thinks it would pair well with Lake Mungo for the haunting images and the bay for the events happening in, to a whole town. I don't know anything about this movie. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Break it down. Break it down. Savage Land is incredible. So Savage Land is a really fascinating found footage movie because the found footage is actually a series of photographs. And so it's based on a border town in Arizona, I believe. Um, I might be wrong about that. But this whole town is is murdered. It's like decimated. And there is only oh. one survivor. He is an undocumented immigrant who took photos of everything. And everyone is very... So it's like a pseudo-documentary and how it basically is looking at how this guy was profiled and seen as the bad guy because he was a Mexican immigrant. Oh. But the whole point of this movie is to kind of debunk his... Like, what he's been accused of and, like, really look into what happened that that night and so it's like very political in a way that is really fascinating in terms of talking about immigration and how immigrants are treated in the united states um and as the as they progress they look at these photos and they're incredibly haunting photos that um i actually will tweet out a couple when this episode goes live because there are these haunting photographs and they're really blurry and they're of creatures coming after people and it's incredible and um it kind of like the night unfolds because this guy is known for loving photography so he always carried a camera around and was just like documenting his life and so he caught all of these events on camera and they're unexplainable but it's like him documenting this outbreak of something and it is incredibly done. Um, I agree that it would definitely pair well with the Bay because it's an entire town getting like absolutely wrecked. You're just kind of seeing the after effects rather than what's happening in the moment. And I see the Lake Mungo because Lake Mungo uses photos as well. So it's an interesting kind of different idea of found footage through different kinds of images. So I'm a huge fan of Savage Land and it is definitely oh, yeah. slept on. I believe it's streaming on Tubi. Cool. But it's just like a really cool use of found footage. So yes, Savage Land. Do not sleep on Savage Land. It's so good. Uh, and then our second review is from Snail Girl One Eighty Two, who says that they're a longtime listener. They love the podcast, and it's always interesting to look back at what scared people as kids. They sure also called us delightful, which was nice. <gasps> um, <laughs> so, what would be your found footage recommendation for Snail Girl One Eighty Two? Okay, yeah, that's the one I wanted to do. So I, my found footage recommendation for Snow Girl is Butterfly Kisses from 2018, directed by Eric Christoph, Christopher, directed by Eric Christopher Myers, who unfortunately passed away a couple weeks ago. It's really oh, sad. No. Um, yeah. But Butterfly Kisses is his film. It is I remember really you interesting. talking about this one to me. Yeah. It's um, like found footage and pseudo documentary all kind of layered over each other. So it's like a very in- incredible. It's weirdly meta. And also it takes place uh, in Maryland where I live. So always love a good Maryland movie. But it's urban legend found footage. So it's like there's footage of two college students making a documentary about a urban legend. And then 
this guy finds their footage and starts making a documentary about what happened to them and if the urban legend is real. So it's all kind of spliced together in a really interesting way, and it's creepy as shit. So I highly recommend that one. It is also, it's available everywhere to, I believe, rent, but it's really good and it's really creepy. And again, it's a really cool use of like layering all different kinds of footage. So that is my recommendation. Oh yeah. So let's continue with the found footage though. What is this nasty found footage? <laughs> okay, so for Valentine's Day, um because romance, I watched Capture <laughs> Kill release. Oh, okay. Directed by Nick uh Nick McAnulty and Brian Allen Stewart. And uh, Capture Kill Release is a found footage movie where a couple is plotting to murder a random stranger just for the thrill of it, but things kind of go wrong uh, because one of them is uh, not so into the idea of murdering somebody. So, yes, I watched this for Valentine's Day because it's a couple and it's them recording each other kind of like planning out this murder. And uh, my favorite part of this movie is the fact that Jen the woman in this relationship is the psychopath who wants to commit the murder and her husband uh farhang is like absolutely not so it's got like this really nasty woman in the center of it which i absolutely love um it's like a snuff film though it's pretty fucked up i have actually seen this one you haven't i, I saw on, i saw a letterbox and i was like terry has seen this <laughs> I don't know That's... why I've seen this one because it's totally outside of my wheelhouse. But I have seen this one. I don't remember. It might. I'm wondering if if Tony actually recommended this one to me. Tony Kaufman. Oh. I can't remember. Someone did. Someone told me to watch this, and I did. I don't remember much about it. But when you start talking about it, things start to like click back in my head. But yeah, I, I I I've seen this one. That's so weird. Wow. Like I knew it was fucked, but it's fucked up, y'all. It's nasty. I think the ending is a little rocky, but like it's mm. really good because it's like one of the I've seen. It's very close to a movie called Long Pigs, where these two guys are documenting a serial killer cannibal, <laughs> and it's really nasty. <laughs> yeah, that's it's a great movie. Uh, you can't find it anywhere. I'm sorry, um, but it's fucking good. Um, anyway, it's like very close to snuff. Because it like they're cutting up bodies and it looks like they're cutting up bodies and it's like close ups mm-hmm. of bone saws and stuff and it's ridiculous. Also, this is one of the only found footage movies I've seen where they very explicitly show the couple having sex, so it definitely feels like porno. Um, and the woman is the one initiating and holding the camera, which I you know how much I love that oh, shit yeah. when it's n- not like a, a guy hiding the camera. And mm-hmm. she even hides the camera once when they're gonna have sex. It's like Ooh. incredible gender World dynamics in this here, movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. And, like, I think that's why I liked it so much, because she is, like, the antithesis of what a woman looks like in these movies, and it's incredible. Like, she is in control the whole time, and she is just, like, it's gross as shit, and, like, it's hard to watch, but I absolutely loved it, so. I remember thinking that that when I watched it. Yes. But, yeah, so what are these uh, environmental disaster films two ways? Oh, sorry. Not environmental disaster films. Pardon well, they me. are environmental, environmental disaster films. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to talk about them kind of quickly. Uh, but okay. like, so okay, the Burning Sea is coming out next week. I will talk about that next week when the embargo is up. Uh, but like, because it's coming out and it's directed by um, John John Andreas Anderson, who also directed a movie called The Quake. 
which is also a sequel <laughs> to a movie called The Wave. I was like, I'm going to watch The Wave and The Quake first so I can get a good feel for this movie. And I made I made a day of it on Saturday and watched The Quake or The Wave, The Quake and The Burning Sea. So The Wave is about this is not The Wave on IMDb. So The Wave they're they're all Norwegian. They're Norwegian disaster films and the wave is about this this family, um, a geologist and his his wife and his um, daughter and his older son, and they they live in this small town. He's like planning on moving to the big city with them, and they're like hacking up their place. He's been a geologist in this town and has been tracking this uh, this kind of tectonic plate thing in the mountain that like seems to want to do something at some point. And he's kind of a little paranoid, but and his his coworkers are like, yeah, you just need to go, just go, just go, just go. Uh, they've kind of like been sort of placating him this entire time, but he's like, you know, the big one's going to happen, and what happens? The big one happens, and it causes um, an avalanche, which causes the rocks the rocks to start falling into the water, which causes a huge eighty five foot high tsunami. The town has like ten minutes to react to it before they're going to be decimated, and so it's following this, and it is. A small scale movie, but I'll tell you what, it nails what is so good about disaster films. Because like I think American disaster films anymore are big on like the the special effects and all that kind of stuff. And this movie has a lot of special mm-hmm. effects, but it grounds it in this family, in this human story that like you actually care about the people and you 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 get emotional because you see like the best in humanity as they're trying to like help each other out, knowing that this wave is going to come crashing down and destroy everything. And it's really, really, really fucking good. Um, I'm really sad that it took I've me heard that. seven I've years. Heard that it's really fucking good. Like I want to watch it. Just another thing that's yeah. like, on my plate, but like I've heard it's good. So hearing you say it's really good, I love because disaster movies kind of scare the shit out of me. And like, I have a hard time watching them because they trigger a lot of things. <laughs> in me this one is anxiety driven like there's there's this part where like they have 10 minutes they're like seaside and they have to get up to an altitude um a past where the wave is going to come crashing down and there's like a scene of like everyone trying to leave this town and the traffic (gasps) and he is like running and trying to get everyone out of the car and get them running up up the as this wave is literally bearing down on them it is intense this movie is so fucking good so fucking good okay I feel nauseous with you telling about that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, They follow it up three years later with the quake, which follows the same family. These guys cannot catch a break. They have moved. (laughs) They have moved to Oslo, but what the quake does. So I don't think the quake is as good as the wave, but it handles PTSD in a way that is incredibly emotional because now oh. this family, the surviving parts of the family, well, the whole family survived, spoiler alert. But anyway, so the, the surviving Good. family, they're now like, they're, they're kind of separated because he can't let go of the fact that he let people die. He is traumatized by that. There's a couple scenes where they do it so subtly where his, his daughter, it's three years later, his daughter kind of shows up back at his house and like he's, his house is a mess. It is covered in a bunch of shit. He's not hasn't been to the grocery store when he's sitting there with a cup of coffee, his hand is shaking. Like there is severe trauma that he's working through and it has caused him to regress and leave the, and he ends up having to go back to Oslo where the family has relocated. And then of course the quake happens (laughs) and (laughs) surprise motherfuckers. And it's, um, it ain't over. (laughs) 
I I don't think that it's as good as as the wave, but it is still incredibly well done. There's a moment in it where I literally gasped at something that happens. It's it's just it's so good. And it has really, really good special effects. You know, I, you would think it doesn't have the, the budget of like a, a Hollywood movie that, you know, Roland Emmerich is not destroying the world in this one. But the effects are so fucking good that like it just it works so well. So while well, the quake yeah. is not as good as the wave, it's still a really good movie. And I highly recommend watching the both of them. Fuck yeah. Okay, cool. Now I want to see The Burning Sea. Ooh, I'm excited to talk, hear about it next week. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk about that one next week when I'm allowed to. <laughs> Um, uh, okay. Speaking of movies, we're finally allowed to talk about. <laughs> well, do you want to talk about a movie about food and farts, or do you want to talk about? Oh yeah, things? food and farts. I for- <laughs> forgot about my food and farts. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so what is this food and farts movie? <laughs> okay, so this is Peter Strickland's <laughs> Flux Gourmet, which premiered oh. out of Berlinale, Berlinale and um, I got a screener link for it. They were like, hey, you want a screener link? I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. That trailer looks fucking ridiculous. It um, does. I want to see fucking this. fucking ridiculous, and it's my favorite movie of his. It is his best movie. Hell yeah. It is so good. So it follow. Okay, so it's a, it takes place in a world where instead of rock stars, you have like these sonic artists who make... <laughs> Music out of food specifically. Like, it's mm-hmm. super... It's, like, so fucking bizarre. But everything is played like a Yorgos Lanthimos movie, so it's, like, very deadpan. And so, like, the biggest thing to do is, like, your your group becomes... Um, your collective is like, accepted into this like residency where they can prove how incredible they are at their art. And so they're at this residency and it all just like starts going to shit because they all hate each other. One of the, the reporter following them and like writing a story about them has gastrointestinal issues, which they start using for their music. Oh, no. And then Gwendolyn Christie, a.k.a. Brie of Tarth, tall angel woman, is in this mm. as the head of the institute that's funding them and she is in the best 70s outfits i've ever seen with incredibly graphic eyeliner mm, and mm-hmm. it's so fucking weird and it's inc- it's just so cool i don't understand how a movie about like this guy the guy narrating it is the is the journalist with the gastrointestinal issues and he's like talking about like the embarrassment of having to fart in front of people when you're having stomach problems. And it's like weirdly endearing because movies about like fart jokes are annoying to me. And, but it's like played in a way that it's like, Hey, this is like really embarrassing when this happens. And it's really hard to have like a gastrointestinal issue, especially around food. And it was actually very Mm -hmm. interesting in how it looked at like that experience, while also being ridiculous. And they make music out of food and (laughs) like cover themselves in blood and like roll around on the floor. Yeah. It's great. So um, I'm so excited to hear that. I I saw I've seen the trailer and I was like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for this. So I'm glad to hear that it's actually good. It looks wild. Yes. So I don't think it has a release date yet, but it's great. And for those who don't know, Peter Strickland did like In Fabric. He did the Mm -hmm. Barbarian Sound Studio, and then he also did Duke of Burgundy. So his movies have like a very distinct style to them, and this one is no different. So you want something oh, yeah. fucking weird? That's the one. <laughs> That's the one. Okay. So now we finally <laughs> have to talk about something that we haven't been able to talk about. And mm-hmm. that little something is the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, whose embargo finally lifted this morning at 12 a.m. 
So there might think? be a reason for that. But, no um, fucking shit. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So you saw this before me, and yeah. um, I went into it with what you had said in the back of my mind, and I don't know what to think about this movie, Mary Beth, because I didn't hate it. Wow. But okay. But but <laughs> there is a huge. Huge ass butt attached to that because I think the Big politics. But <laughs> I think the politics are really muddy. To say Repulsive. like to put it politely, oh, to put it lightly, they're muddy. To put it angrily, they're gross. <laughs> you want to elaborate <laughs> on that? I'm curious. Yes, this made me so fucking angry. So it's first of all, it's a group of like wealthy guys. And gals from Austin, Texas, moving into the small town of Harlow to, like, basically, they bought the town, and they're going to make it into, like, the influencer's paradise. And it's, like, this commentary on gentrification, and then there's a mass shooting subplot that is also in part of it. And then there's, like, this weird gun message where it's, like, pro-gun, but not pro-gun, like... Very weird mixed messaging there. And then there's a Confederate flag waving at one point. And Alice Krieg says the N-word, but not the bad N-word. Not the really bad N-word, just the other N-word, if that makes any sense. I just don't want to say it. And there's, like, a white savior guy. And I don't... It's just all gross. It's just bad. It's, like, weirdly conservative. And it's just weird. Fetty Alvarez really took a turn, my dudes. <laughs> so I feel very strongly about this movie. It's so bad. Yeah. yeah but what's I, frustrating is the kills are really good. The kills are really good, and we actually oh, get a Chainsaw Massacre. We do like, get a Chainsaw Massacre. I was thinking back to the number of times in a, chain, in a movie called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre that we've actually had a massacre with a chainsaw. And we get a we massacre sure with a chainsaw on this. A very bloody uh-huh. one. A very bloody one. It's incredible. And then, like, Sally Hardesty in this movie is a fucking joke. Oh, my God. That was a gr- egregious, an egregious error. They, she did not need to be in this movie because no, she's in it, it was... for maybe a blink and a mo- and like a, and she's there, like, type of moment. It is. I feel like they had the script. And then because of, like, Halloween coming out, they're like, we have to have Sally back. I know that the actress that played her is dead, but we got to somehow get her back because that's all the rage right now. I mean, even Scream makes fun of that, right? The new Scream movie makes fun of that while also doing it. Ha ha ha. But at least at least you could say the Halloween movie grounds the narrative in her story. Whereas here we know so little about her other than she survived this massacre. She became a park ranger. She now gets pigs, and then she shows up only to (laughs) nothing. It's just, it was not not good. And I, so like I, I see. I completely. I can't disagree with anything that you said. I, for me, I thought that the politics of the gun was very was very muddied. I didn't. I, I, I was like, I don't know what you're trying to say here. Yeah, it's super weird. And that's where, where, and that's where I was like. I had an I had an issue because I don't I don't know what it is trying to say here. And I read before I watched the movie, I did read this interview on Polygon with the director 
And that really like threw me for a loop too, because the director seemed to think that they were making a nuanced and um, complex take on, on gun violence. That's like Freddie Alvarez saying they were putting like a nuanced take on villains and don't breathe too. And it was a rape, <laughs> it was rape apologists, the movie. So like, don't think these boys quite know what nuance means, but yeah. And I, I think, I think that's probably the worst part of this movie for me is that like, they, they obviously have a reverence for Toby Hooper's classic. And in the interview, they even bring up parts about how like his, that movie was very angry and is very anti-Vietnam. And it was like a allegory for America in that time, you know, but I feel like they missed having a point where like the gun violence in this feels like more like curtain dressing than it does an actual meaty topic to dig into. Like, I think there could be something interesting where you take the idea of, of Leatherface and you use it as Toby Hooper did back then to explore America's relationship with the outside world and ignoring the inside world. I think you could do that in an interesting way here with gun violence, which is a huge issue. The one that we should be mad about, but I don't think they do that at all. The most nuance is a woman who has survived gun violence looking at an AR-15 and contemplating picking it up to use it to save herself. That's as far as the nuance goes. I I've, have written more about this movie in a review than any other movie I have done in a very long time. Like, we are over two pages because I don't wow. know what to say. If you are interested in seeing gore, you might like this movie if you can just turn your your brain off. But if you have thoughts about social issues, this movie will probably kind of piss you off. Very curious what Twitter looks like today. Or is oh, going to look like today. I tweeted earlier that as like me when the embargo drops and it's that the Green Goblin. Uh, yeah. Gosh, Willem, Willem Dafoe oh, is like eh, <gasps> crazy picture from the backseat of a car. It's a great GIF reaction. And yeah, spoiler, that's what this is that movie that I was talking about. If you were following me on Twitter, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, y'all. It looks beautiful. It looks good. It shot really well. The score was good. The score was good. It was really cool how they incorporated like the chainsaw. I liked. I always love when they have like the synergy with stuff like that. There was some cool stuff. Yeah, and the score is by the guy that did Hereditary. It sure is, and I love him. I listened to the Hereditary Wild. soundtrack to relax. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she's broken. She's broken. Sorry, folks. It's not good. So finally. I had watched this movie, I think, in 2018 and kind of forgot that I had watched it. And Mary Beth found my review on Letterboxd that was like, I don't know what I watched, but I liked it. And rewatching this movie, I feel the same way. But I'm curious what your take is on the Italian horror film from 1993, Dark Waters. Okay, so let me just give y'all a quick synopsis so you can kind of understand what the fuck is happening here. <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, this is from Letterboxd, so it's like the quote, I'm going to read the quote above it and then the synopsis. The quote above it, I am she that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. Metal as shit. Love it. Hell incredible. Yeah. Like, incredible. A woman investigates the disappearance of her friend and her own murky past when she travels to a mysterious convent on a barren island. That does not even scratch the surface of what happens in this fucking movie. 
IMDb is not even much helpful either because IMDb says a girl travels to an island after the death of her father to find out why the father funded a monastery on the island. Like, it doesn't sound like full court, but let me tell you guys, this movie is incredible. I don't really understand what happened totally because there isn't really a story. Like, it's, there's a story. Like, there is enough of a story that it makes mostly sense, but there is just, mm-hmm. like, the loosest version of that because it's just, like, a lot of fucked up images for the most part, and I love it. It's vibes the movie. Yeah, I it really it, perfect. Put that on the poster for sure. Because like, <laughs> like my notes, I'm, I'm I was like looking through my notes, and I was like, okay, so we have monks standing on a craggy cliff overlooking the sea, holding crosses with a bell. There's quick shots of environments of crypts with candles. Which side note, kudos to the production designer and whoever poor assistant had to go in, put those everywhere and light them because there is a ton of candles in these caverns. There's a glass filled with rain. There's Jesus on the wall. There's arcane books. There's water dripping everywhere. A door bursts open and gushes water. It smashes the Christ figure and smerges the priest. Like, there's so many of these little tiny images throughout the movie that, like, a lot of this beginning part is pretty is pretty voiceless. Like, it's mostly a wordless opening, just showing all these images. And I think that kind of continues throughout it, even when there's voice in it. It's still a whole lot of, a whole lot of just, like, Images that kind of stick with you. A man hunched over on a boat, gnawing at raw fish. (laughs) He keeps the freaks away. What the fuck are you talking about? What does that mean? (laughs) Which also, side note, I fucking brought a movie with spiders in it to the podcast. How dare I? You do you, though. How dare I? (laughs) You did this to you. (laughs) I did do this to me. But it... Someone on Letterboxd compared it to The Wicker Man, and I see that comparison. Like, it's a very, it's loose, so don't, like, Mm, mm -hmm. but it's very much like this woman is essentially lured to a place, and she realizes that something very fucking weird is happening, and the longer she stays there, the more fucked it gets. And there are nuns carrying a cross on fire, and they Mm -hmm. have a bunch of whips, and they lash people, and it's just, it's wild and they're all just like bloodthirsty nuns and one of them is blind and just like croaks her words and only oh this God. one nun can decipher it and it's just like who is this that scene was so good though like it was just so this good creepy so old woman creepy. with so much cataracts in her eyes her eyes are like white and she's just like and somehow the other nun is able to understand her and it's it's like and then there's a moment later where um our our protagonist i don't even know what her name is elizabeth elizabeth yeah sarah was her was the nun yeah so there's there's a scene where where elizabeth is walking over a rope bridge and it breaks and she falls into this pit and there's this blind man who's who has spent the entire time painting these surreal paintings is like coming toward her sniffing her out because it can't see like there's just these really fascinating and trippy and haunting and just like lingering images that this movie just like throws at you without much words or without much fanfare it's just creepy image after creepy image and like How do I describe... I don't... I'm just, like, trying to just, like, figure out how I felt with this movie. And, like, the vibe. And, like you said, just, like, the images over and over. And, like, there's an overarching... Like, it's, like, again, overarching story that kind of pops in every once in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, like, 
oh, just to let you know there is actually something happening here. It gave me, like, a little bit of Suspiria vibes, too. Yeah, absolutely. I got, like, big Suspiria vibes, and I think that's the kind of feeling I'm describing of that, that feeling of watching Suspiria for the first time, of, like, dread and fascination, and, like, you're entranced with what's happening, but it's also really freaky, but it's, like, not always, like, obviously scary. It's got dread in it. It's just, like, whew. Anyway. If that made sense. It's just really good. I really, really liked it. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> and the acting's kind of terrible. But, like, it's uh, really good. It's not great. Yeah. There's this there's a scene where there's, like, hundreds of dead fish on the rocky shore. And she's just, like, walking over them. And it's the sound of them kind of crunching, also in squishiness at the same time. And it's just, like, these images just, like... Even I, even though They're I scary. saw this and I did not remember them, remember this movie, when I came to these moments, they were just like, they popped right in my mind. I was like, oh, yeah, this is lingered here. This is lingered here. This has been living rent free in the back of my recesses of my mind since 2018. There is just there's a lot of there's a fleshy pulsating thing that you kind of spy behind a wall. I'm just like, what is going on in this movie? There's like a weird face on a rock that everyone has there's a crying baby that and then laughing kids she starts eating those raw fish uh she pulls a heart out of something i don't know it's all fucking bizarre it's just like vibes it's a nightmare it's It's like a nightmare nightmare that just keeps going it's awesome (laughs) it's so good it's on shutter it is highly recommended highly recommended get high while watching it oh yeah oh (laughs) oh yeah i did not this time but that's okay (laughs) okay but talking about um our i almost said found footage uh talking about folk horror what is our next folk horror movie well it's funny that you bring up found footage mary beth because we are diving (laughs) into found footage folk horror say that 10 times fast with uh the borderlands from 2013 also known as final prayer it's on tubi and it's on vod it might be on some uh, British BFI channel, according to my Apple TV app. So it's out there. I'm excited to watch it. Mary Beth has seen it. I love it. I'm excited for this one. It's really good. Um, I wrote about it recently for Dread Central about it having one of the most fucked up endings I've ever seen in a movie. So if you want to read that, go over to Dread Central. Um, but I'm very excited to chat about this movie. I, it's, it's incredible. I am curious if you'll like it, but I'm excited to chat a found footage movie with you. Hell yeah, me too. But who, 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 who are we talking to on Monday? Because there's a lot of who's. There's a lot of who's. So we have our biggest recording ever on Monday with the Adams family. And mm-hmm. no, not the Adams family, like dun 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. Um, we are talking to Zelda, Lulu, and John Adams and their mom, Toby Poser. Um, with their new movie Hellbender, which is on Shutter this Thursday or next next Thursday, and and they brought with them the best movie of all time, The Descent. Mm. Masterpiece, masterpiece, masterpiece theater. of a movie, movie I've been wanting to talk about this entire time. <sighs> Finally, was delivered to us with an Have incredible a great story group of for people. it. Yes, a great group of people. Oh my gosh, they were just the most loveliest bunch of people ever. Oh my god, love them. It's a, Love oh, them so they're much. so kind and smart and great. So get ready. It's not as chaotic as you'd think. We were very no. surprised. It was we're not worried, chaotic at honestly. all. We were, <laughs> we were very worried. So, yes. Oh, I'm so excited for everyone to hear that conversation. 
I'm excited to edit it again and listen to it again because it it has been a while. We recorded a minute ago. Oh, we did. But listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch a film we'd watch this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for movies we should talk about? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or you can reach out to us to our... Woo! Or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm McGaley Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And you know, we're giving out found footage recommendations if you review us. So please do that. Uh, But also make sure that you're rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Because I'll tell you what, they really help our algorithms. And if you subscribe to us, even if you don't listen to our episode right away... You get those day one downloads. And let me tell you, those are super important. So please and thank you. Please and thank you. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.